Welcome to Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Richard Miller, and my co-host, my dear, dear friend, Dr. Luke. One, two, look all my shoe. Stop, Luke, and listen. Luke around you, my Lukey star, or just my Luke, glad all. My co-host, my friend and partner from Nerry, all these other podcasts, Dr. Luke Gledall. How are you doing today, Luke? I'm really good, Rich. Thank you for the... Thank you again for another warm and lovely introduction. And it's uh, it's it's great to be back. I've missed I you know I I'm glad we afforded some time for ourselves to do other things, but uh mm. there's been a part of me that's really been missing doing this and not having that kind of weekly weekly vent and release with my wonderful friend yes. Richard Miller. So, here we are. Well, yeah. So, we're not we're not going to be back as a weekly fixture, but we thought we're halfway through the season. Let's mm-hmm. take some stock. Let's mm-hmm. do a bit of a mid-season review. Um, probably going to be across two episodes. We're thinking so um, there'll be there'll be this one and uh, and another to follow with the rest of the squad. But uh, you know, it's a welcome back, really, to the only podcast on the internet about Sheffield Wednesday, bringing back that sleepover energy during this festivus season. Um, we'll get to have a good old chat about whose boobs have grown biggest over the break. Spoiler alert mine um but um luke are you familiar with the the fact that the world has changed since we uh we last spoke over uh over podcast i, I mean there's a few things but please 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 talk on about this do, do you know about chat gpt chat this is an GPT. ai yes i have heard this? about this yes there's there's many a there's many an I, I, ai thing that is making uh many people in the world clutch their pearls mm. at the moment well, I'm a I'm I'm not I'm the opposite of a technophobe. I think I'm a technophile. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I like a like a pedophile, but the technology it's the technology I like that's young. Um, the <laughs> you don't like feeling up. Uh, you don't like getting grotty and having a cop and a feel on some old Amstrad. I'm rich. <laughs> no, so what, what um, you're saying is Alan Michael Sugar trading. Has uh, got nothing to worry about. The emailer, the emailer plus has no place <laughs> in my, uh, my role. Uh, <laughs> but I, I just thought, you know, we're now in the the world has changed. AI mm. is here to stay, and it's going to take all of our jobs. So mm. I just wanted to give it a couple of the tasks, a bit of the the admin uh, around doing a doing a podcast like this. So first off, I mm. asked Chat GPT to. Uh, to write a sketch for a Christmas special for Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. So here's what it came up with. Um, it's the Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast Christmas special. The hosts, Ben and Sarah, are excited to bring their listeners some festive cheer. As they open the show, Ben and Sarah reminisce about their favourite Christmas memories growing up as Sheffield Wednesday fans. They share stories of going to Hillsborough to see the Owls play on Boxing Day and the excitement of unwrapping their new Sheffield Wednesday kits on Christmas morning. Next, they invite on special guest, a special guest, Sheffield Wednesday legend Chris Waddle, 
Chris shares some of his own Christmas memories, including the time he scored a hat-trick on Boxing Day. He also discusses the state, the current state of the team and shares his thoughts on what the future holds for the Owls. As the show wraps up, Ben and Sarah announce their plans for the new year, including a special edition for the podcast where, uh, where they will be joined by more Sheffield Wednesday greats. They wish their les- listeners a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and sign off until the next episode. There you go. Wow, I mean, if that's if that's what AI has got for us, then maybe we should just fucking quit and let and let Skynet take over. Honestly, <laughs> this absolutely takes the biscuit though, because I did. I also said write a joke for <laughs> different mm-hmm. gravy, not just another mm-hmm. Sheffield Wednesday podcast. And so it's why did Sheffield the why did the Sheffield Wednesday fan wear glasses? Okay, I don't know, Rich. Why did the Sheffield Wednesday fan <laughs> wear glasses? <laughs> And the answer is because he couldn't see with the letter C, because he couldn't see Wednesday without them. And I was confused by this. Mm. So I said, why is that joke funny? (laughs) (laughs) This joke is funny because it plays on the homophone C, S-E-A, and C, the letter that Sheffield Wednesday's name begins with. Mm, no, it doesn't. By substituting C for C, uh, so that's the letter C for S-E-E, the joke creates a humorous misunderstanding and unexpected punchline. Additionally, the use of a visual pun, the glasses, adds to adds to the humor of the joke. Overall, the combination of wordplay and a visual element makes the joke entertaining and surprising. So... There you go. So we're saying that Jason Manford's not going to be out of a job anytime soon. <laughs> it's the only job, apparently, that uh, ChatGPT can't can't replace at this point. <laughs> doesn't doesn't even make a decent meme with the dinosaur telling crap jokes. You know, you just you can't fit it all on that. That's <laughs> um. So so I get further questions. Am I Ben and are you Sarah? I don't know. If so, can we also play off the Christmas thing? Because I think a thing I can add to this is I as Ben would do that horrible, (laughs) creepy, creepy, I really like you, but you've got a a boyfriend, partner thing, like, you know, with the the cards taking off Bob Dylan from Love Actually. (laughs) Um, It wouldn't work well for the podcast because it's not a visual medium. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it just kind of adds to the Christmas merriment. I didn't know which bit because there's two very um, uh, well-known bits of Christmas creepiness, isn't there? Because uh, I didn't know which one you were going for. Because uh, yeah, the love actually appearing at the at the door is 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 creepy. Um, mm. But there's also "Baby, it's cold outside," um, which is the Me Too movement set to music. Yes, yes, it is. Um, really, a shameful. There's a lot of talk about uh, whether the Pogues should be played or sung at this time of year but really why, why is that we should definitely put um oh the <laughs> cheap lousy uh cheap lousy f word yes yeah okay that's fine but, um, then, but then she follows it with merry christmas you are soul i hope it's your last which i think is fantastic there's that that has to win a prize for there's no other christmas song with arsehole in it yes you know i mean there's little drummer boy which we all remember from family guy i've got some things for you that that up in my bum um that's kind of close but it's not an arsehole is it so yeah and that's a direct cover of the one that uh bing crosby and david bowie sang together it, it was it was yeah yeah <laughs> good old bowie oh uh, that's 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 up there for my favorite christmas really 
interesting. Just love the those two voices. Oh, it's it's fun when like I you know when it's just you know who's at the door. It's David Bowie. Bing, bing, oh, of course it is. Of course it is. Of course it is. It's the it's the shot of Bailey's in your hot chocolate. It's all creamy and uh, you know it's all it's all rich and uh, unnecessary. But oh, what a delight! What a little treat. Hmm. <laughs> um, right. Just to, just to go back on that, just a quick thing as well. So if we pick apart that, has has there been anything? We've got a lot to get into. We will get into a lot of stuff here. Have you ever opened a, a Sheffield Wednesday kit on Christmas morning, Rich? It may have happened, but I I don't have a specific memory of it happening. I've got to say, no, uh, I did last year. I I did um I did get the um the excellent typical Wednesday shirt uh pete mcgee designed i either got that for mm. christmas and that was a that was a lovely christmas present oh, a um, christmas treat just like uh just like julian casablancas sings mm. Mm. Oh, it's up there for favorite that's christmas that's song. one of my favorite christmas songs thank you rich you put that on my radar <laughs> Um, and then I, I think I, I think you got me into it around just after Christmas, and then I yes. played it a lot during January, and then <laughs> to the point, even though I played it a lot, Spotify's AI was like, "No, you are not having that in your end of year list." <laughs> like, but it's one of my most played songs, Spotify. So yeah. fuck you, fuck you. Anyway, um, I, 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 the only Wednesday Christmas memory with a gift, while well, you've shared mm-hmm. something, um, I think it was. Oh no, it might be my birthday, but I just want to give a shout out. My my eldest brother Andy, when I was a wee a wee Ben, got me a Wednesday calendar which was signed by Nigel Pearson and Graham Hyde. Mm, excellent. Oh, Graham Hyde. What, what a, a treat. Graham Hyde, yeah. Look, we need need some Graham Hyde in our sentiment. Oh, mm. yeah, what, a, what a figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And obviously Pearson as well. Of course. Of course. Anyway. Anyway. Um, can I just ask you just before just a mm. tiny digression off the digression before we get back to the main thread yeah. of things? Mm-hmm. Do you have you do you intentionally try and game your uh, your Spotify unwrapped? Do you ever get to kind of November time and you start to think, oh, do you know what? It's nearly unwrapped time. I need to. There needs to be less kind of Britney Spears on this list, and I, I, I know that there should be arpeggios and things like that. I'm not as good at that. Yeah. There should be there should be some people who give you a service for that. But like you can yes. you can hand over your Spotify to some click farm and they'll put some really artful Radiohead B sides in there. Yeah. Maybe. Rather than those places, those things that like hack your account and play lots of like Hungarian rap dance music um to kind of game the algorithm. This is this is a, a positive uh <laughs> nurturing, nurturing of your your true self, really. Um, Maybe so. Maybe maybe AI can help us with that. Yeah, maybe. maybe. I mean, the jokes alone are so funny. Um, I just was so confused, Luke, by that. Are the Ben and Sarah also Ben Shepherd and Sarah Alexander? Well, I didn't ask about that. I sort of told it later. I said the hosts of the podcast are actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll think you'll find. Totally glad. I think you'll find Rich, Rich goes by Ben and Luke is not transitioning into Sarah anytime soon. <laughs> well, if you combine the Sarah mention with my mention of uh, with my sort of talk about whose boobs have got bigger over the break, maybe maybe your you know, Sarah, that, yeah, maybe there's the big announcement that that's that, uh, not just different gravy back for a, for a special occasion, but um, you know, there's something else to announce. Um, right. Anyway, we should do. <laughs> Your body has just decided to exclusively produce estrogen as opposed to testosterone. 
very much against my will. Mm. Um, we're all Fun in and science. <laughs> so um, mm-hmm. we've we there's always a back and forth. How many people do you include include on a list of players at this stage? Um, we, you know, you could go. We, we our ten our end of season things. We've tended to go very maximalist and just included everybody that's ever played a minute during the season. Um, but I think in this regard, we're sort of thinking, let's get that's the core of the players that have played league games for us. So that leaves us with a list of 23 players. Um, and our aim is to get through around half of those today. Mm-hmm. Um, and then have a, have another episode. And should we also finish up talking about uh, the other person we, we kind of on a season review chuck on at the end, and that's talking about Mr. Darren Moore. That's that makes sense. So should we do if that being the case, should we do twelve players today, eleven mm-hmm. for the next episode, and then Darren Moore as the twelfth. So then we've got twelve people in each. I think so. I think excellent. So. Okay, this there's this beautiful symmetry to all of this. Mm. Um, quite yeah, it's quite sort of. Let me let me just break the fourth wall and say, listener, are you are you enjoying Luke and Rich back, and then just bringing back that energy of just. Uh, Rushard haphazardly agreeing on a format, and uh, in the case of the podcast live, is this is this enjoyable for you? <laughs> I have Wait. to say, I'm still looking at this list of players. Quite how many of them are old old boys? There's a lot of thirty pluses in our uh, in our squad in our ranks. Mm. Um, right. So there is no number one uh, this season. No. Um, We've got two kooky goalkeepers and therefore no no number one. Uh, so we start with Liam Palmer, number two. Liam Palmer. Liam Palmer. And what a what a great place to start our kind of analysis of players here. What more can we say about roaming goal threat Liam Palmer? A player who, in scoring three goals this season, so far, managed to increase his league goal tally by 100% in his 13th season of professional football. A player who increasingly keeps adding strings to his bow by discovering the talent of wing wizardry. Somehow in his ripening years, he has suddenly decided in a revelation that his third tier of English football is a piece of piss and set, <laughs> set about to swing his willy about. <laughs> the best parts of the last few years of watching Wednesday is pinning our hopes and focuses elsewhere while we are frustrated to see the ignored Liam Jordan Palmer flower blossom in our peripheral vision. Frustrating for whatever injury he's been sidelined with for patches this season, but a man who is very much Mr. Wednesday gets a hearty and well-deserved A. Nice. Yeah, he went off like a rocket this season, didn't he? He um... really did, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, do you think there's something to talk about? There's a lot to get into, and I don't know when exactly is the right time, but now feels like a segue. Um, Palmer did so well. You know, I've mentioned that wing wizardry. He did so well as part of that 3-5-2, that right wing back. And then we seem to have, I don't know why, for different reasons, kind of gone away from a structure which seemed to... Well, we seem to try it so much, and it seemed to just kind of go with that identity. I've heard some people interestingly talk about... I, I don't know if it was Al's talk or where it was, somewhere in the Wednesday kind of conversation, maybe another podcast I listened to, um, within this kind of fabric of that, like, the players seem to keep trying 352, or it seemed to be something we wanted to like stick to you know um i think i think that's our most natural i would say that's our kind of core mm. formation uh, 442 feels like the thing that we try 
and mm. hasn't necessarily clicked yet. Yeah. Um, but I did. Uh, what what Palmer has been a victim to, and we'll get to him in in time. Um, but the complete disintegration of Dominic Iorfa as a working footballer. Um, I, I think Liam Palmer has been one of the biggest victims of that because he gets shunted around to try and protect us from the worst excesses of of Iorfa's terrible, terrible game. Um, so he can't be trusted as a... He's no longer trusted as a centre-back in a three, Iorfa. So the mm. weird thing now is, you know, you've got Dominic Iorfa with centre-back as his profession on his passport. Uh who plays right wing back when we play in a in a five at the back? And um, Liam Palmer, uh, once a central midfielder, very much a right back or right wing back, plays right sided centre back because he is much more trustworthy and useful in there than, mm. than Dominic Iofa, Sleepy Dom, as I have just decided to call him. Um, so yeah, it's interesting because, but it, it's or it, the hard thing with that is it also hurts the team because as we touched on. He's a guy that Palmer was flourishing going forward. A huge part. I mean, he'd effectively put to bed the question of, oh, should it be Hunt or should it be Palmer? I want it to be Liam Palmer. He's giving me all the things I want from that right wing back position. Mm. Um, but we we can't afford to have him in his best position, in form, flying, in the form of his life, because we're carrying such a heavy, heavy load in uh Dominic mm-hmm. Um so it's 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 a, been a shame to see him kind of shackled, <laughs> um, and but it's also hurting the team uh, not seeing him not seeing him play in the way that he was earlier in the season. It was such a big part of him and Johnson getting forward was such a big part of us uh, playing so well early doors. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, an A is absolutely fair enough because it's nothing to do with Liam Palmer that he's uh, he's so useful and gets <laughs> shunted around. Uh, so yeah, um, fair play to Liam Palmer. Um, so what we thought we'd do, rather than go through in uh, numerical order, we would then jump to the bottom of the list um, and the player with the highest squad number, who happens to be Alex Mighton. Alex Mighton. Number 45 in the squad list. Number 45. Alex Mighton. Alex Mighton is a strange little character. I don't know if being here in the fabric within Moore's second full season at Sheffield Wednesday gives him some slight leeway, but I will say that now we are conditioned to think with amassing fantasy squads based off who we think needs to be added comes the conclusion of someone wider up top with some pace. That's that's mm. fine to do, but when Moore brings this player, much like Carlos did previously, that player is a token addition that doesn't meet the formation or needs of a team. Mighton can be compared somewhat harshly on message boards at the beginning of his Essex career as the next coming of Shadipo. I thought that was unfair in terms of performances, as Mighton has never been that bad, and he does not have that expectation based off a previous campaign at this level. Yeah. However, it does seem again that another lone missing wing around the place, albeit a better one than Shadipo, saying that, that while I think his presence for the option of pace and stretching teams is something that I quite like, I mm. think overall he's a little bit of a mixed bag. Bright moments here and there, but I did want more from someone who is touted as having a bright future. The kids are all right, as the Who said, but that isn't a huge praise. I've gone for a B minus. Wow, I think yeah, maybe generous a B minus, but um... I think more often I try to see the positive of what he is. But yeah. I think it's just again, I'm like as part of what I was my my writing about him there was saying it's so much kind of weight to come in with. Um, yeah. 
I mean, also, I I don't know. I didn't engage. I think I engaged a little bit with like the Forest fans, the Forest hype. This is, you know, a touted, a player with a touted future at the club, a bright spark from their academy, which, you know, hilariously kind of comes in when um, Forest are having a season in their inaugural Premier League return tickets. And it's been this giant rehash of players. So an enormous number of players. Enormous so. number of players. It's just absolutely insane squad, and it, you know, and they are doing as about as well as you would imagine. Such a giant, giant influx of players. So it's just so mixed. But I think I've tried to just be a little bit more kind of generous at times. I mean, he's he's had a couple of decent goals. He's had a couple of moments. You know, they're very much kind of bit mar- bit parts. He's not become a fixture of this this first team pitcher. But in a way, I I don't know. There's just there's a lot of there's a lot of crap. And I'm wondering about whether um he can be I don't know, maybe there needs to be a bit more of an opportunity for him because it's just it's not we talked about kind of rehaul of the the first eleven and there's yeah. a, there's a number of characters who are underperforming. And not deserving of a place in the side, but seemingly based off ability or history, they're given a free pass to just come into the team and roam about. And we'll get on to we'll get on to one or two of those players later in the podcast. Mm-hmm. I so I don't know, it's very conflicting. I think I've been I have been a little bit generous with that, but I don't think he's been it's not been Shadipo. And maybe I'm as a bit of gratitude. No, that's fair enough. For that, you know. No, if if the benchmark is Shadipo, he's He's way, way, way surpassed that benchmark. So, no, mm. to be fair, and I suppose he's only 20 years old. I think the tricky thing for me watching him is he's not... When when like, Fizzy runs, uh, FDB, um, there's a when, kind of power when... to how he runs that makes it kind of undeniable. Like, it, it doesn't happen enough, but when he kind of, like, puts his head down and put it just goes for it, he's not... I don't think he's extravagantly quick, but just I think there's yeah there's a power to that running. So the other but the other type of runner is somebody who is just a little sprinter, and I yeah. sort of feel like Lighton's neither. He's not a strong runner. He gets knocked off the ball very easily. He looks quite slight, but he's not particular. He's not like rapid either. He's not. I I, I can't um I can't remember who the play who was being described this way, but I remember a player being being described as outrageously quick. And like that's sort of what you, I could sort of understand Mighton if he was outrageously quick. If it was just like, well, you know, peek behind the curtain. We've just watched the World Cup. Mbappe's got that like go away from you speed. I know he's like the probably the most expensive footballer on earth. So I'm not expecting Mbappe to pitch up on a season long loan from Nottingham Forest at Sheffield Wednesday. Mm. Um, but it's that kind of that kind of like afterburners. Wow, this guy's this guy's quick. You know, just that notable pace. And I just don't think he has it. He's got more of a kind of bundling energy to his run. He's not a sprinter. Maybe it'll come in time, but I don't know. I I find it quite perplexing. As you say, like a lot of the talk with Forrest was, oh, well, will we let him go or or will he be part of the first team set up at Forrest? And it's hard to imagine him getting any minutes in a Premier League team. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think... Uh, I appreciate his, by and large, I do appreciate his endeavour. I think he does try and do the job he's put on the pitch to do, which 
does set him apart from some of his peers. It sets him apart from many previous loanees. Um, so I, I'm I'm sort of happy to go along. I think with with the, with the B minus, um, but just yeah, just a, a, there's a vague feeling of disappointment. But uh, I sort of feel like he's done maybe as well as he ever could have. It's just maybe he's not quite what was advertised when we when we brought him in. I think that's the kind of the disparity. Yeah. I, I, when you were talking about him, it made me think he's he is very lightweight, isn't he? Mm. I mean, he's a he's a spindly little quick guy. Yeah, but like you know, I think if you're making kind of comparisons, I kind of think about wingers. Wingers always kind of seem to fit in with a kind of a, a narrative elsewhere in sports. And thinking from a North American lens, from me and you coming back and seeing uh, seeing a, an NFL game, which was. Mm remarkably better than the first NFL game that Rich and I saw together yes. in the flesh. Um, <laughs> thinking about kind of like spindly little wide receivers, you know, and he he kind of has that that yeah. thing, but the, like, I don't know if there's, I don't know he, I don't know if he spends any time in the gym. I don't know if spending a time in the gym would be good, but like, mm. it just feels, it feels a bit like, um, I remember, was it the secret footballer? Was that the oh, kind yeah. of Guardian article with, Yes, and there, whoever it was was talking about, and I think there's a theory about like it being multiple people. I can't quite recall who exactly the theories were about who it was, yeah. but there's an article where someone talks about like the difference being when you're in the top level and you're playing against people who are you know those top professionals. Yeah, and whoever was writing the article was talking about being being checked on a sideline by Antonio Valencia and yeah. saying it was like being hit by like you know cruiserweight. Yes. You know, it's just yeah. that much kind of like heft. I, I think that's an interesting thing, and I think that might that might be something that might kind of tweak some of my latter notes when we talk about Delhi Bashuru because he he doesn't Mighton doesn't have that brute strength. No, there's the pace, but it's very lightweight. And he's also not particularly tricky. No, no, he isn't. He's got some confidence on the ball. I, I like. I, I think he like. He trusts himself to carry the ball, which is good. There's, again, there's players that in our squad that don't do that, but um, but he doesn't. Yeah, he, he needs to. If he doesn't have that straight line, you're either a sprinter or you're not a sprinter. You can you can kind of learn running mechanics, but you know, th- th- at the end of the day, there is just a physiological difference between people who can go a hundred meters in less than ten seconds and people that will never do it. Um, and I don't think he's a particularly quick straight line runner so yeah. he for him to progress in his career he will have to get tricky or strong or both that's kind of the i mean ronaldo was quick and then he uh, quick and tricky and then he added strength and it's and like it's one of the things with Messi as well like he doesn't get knocked off the ball he's well unless he wants to <laughs> but um I, I think might and yeah he needs to bulk up a mm. bit i think he and and maybe yeah learn to just be a little bit Hard yeah. to read. But then, like, I mean, very direct. You've mentioned Messi, who just has an impeccable balance, right? Mm. Like, it's just, it's not something you're going to see. I don't know. It's making me make comparisons to other wingers and, like, just thinking, like, you know, Jermaine Johnson just had a remarkable skill of dribbling with the ball. You can yes. talk a lot about his end product, which was obviously missing. It was probably the difference between him being a top tier player and yeah. dicking, dicking around in the second tier with Wednesday. But just, yeah, he doesn't have that ability to carry the ball wonderfully. It was like a mouse in a bucket, wasn't he, that Jermaine Johnson? He really was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Shall we move on? Let's move on. 
<laughs> Move on to number three, Jaden Brown. Jaden Brown's probably with this uh, write-up as well. I've I've kind of amassed these kind of write-ups over a period of time. So there might be a few kind of tweaks and things to kind of go off some of this narrative, I just want to say. But um, Jaden Brown, remarkably all right in what I can lose, very loosely recall in the Cup games, and he scored a great goal in one of those. It should have mm. been in the Pizza Cup as he smashed it in like an absolute pro. <laughs> Though in all honesty, his classy roulette of assist in the final PJT match was very nice too. That was almost all I could say for him for a while, to be honest, until a severe problematic injury crisis brought Brown out of the closet. I didn't mind his brief cameo in the league, and I wonder if he might stake a claim as part of a back three doing a very Marvin Johnson last season character arc as a passable centre-back. And bizarrely, I mean he was someone who was markedly better at that defensive aspect than Marvin's element when he was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he gets a token C-plus for being a squad filler that we often forget about. We're watching a player who's long forgotten about and won't get much of a game. I mean, coming into this season, we've signed both James and Famiwo, and then we have Marvin too. I have this strong feeling he's here until January or the end of the season, and then he'll be gone. Yeah, because he's he played that game against Bristol Rovers, didn't he? And did did all right, did all right. Yes, yeah. Because I remember being quite worried, but then he was there when we conceded. Um, I can't remember him being directly involved, but he's done well to recover from his absolute disastrous last appearance for us. Like that shows some strength of character. That JPT performance last season, where with the own goal and. Yes, you're yeah. having an absolutely harrowing 45 minutes. Um, so that speaks quite highly of him in some ways. That does, and it's interesting you mentioned that because I've I've kind of forgot about it. But uh, that that ink marks pretty deep in his copybook. Mm. You know, but yeah, to an extent, he's kind of worked his way worked his way back to to some something approaching um, some pride. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, outside of that, I mean, like. Yeah, I don't know. I I wouldn't mind again if we revisited that. If times were that bad, but I I think we've kind of very much established in the pecking order he is that low down, and if we're there, yeah. then he really has to impress to to start changing some opinions on him. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's not. It doesn't well, it doesn't sound fun for him, you know. No, but last season it felt like the plan was Jaden Brown probably left back and. Johnson left wing and mm. it turns out neither of them are particularly good at those two roles so Johnson no. ended up being well first off being a centre back a left sided centre back but left mm. wing back to suit him down to the ground and Brown is so bad at the defending that he almost ended up being a winger but he's not really good enough to be a winger either so we just dropped playing wingers yeah and again it's just I, I, I feel like in that position I think yeah I'd rather see Mayan which yeah. maybe yeah, feels, feels and a bit, Wilkes bit... is probably yeah yeah we'll we'll get to yeah <laughs> um so next up uh go drop again dropping down uh to, mm-hmm. the, to the highest number now on the list um Mark McGuinness McGuinness in the vain hope of Luke doing his important homework a bit too late I feel like I've been trying to make trying to make and hold an extra special attention on Mark McGuinness in my recent watching of Sheffield Wednesday games. This whole roundup has a strong vibe of people saying to me, you no longer do this anymore, right? And that's totally fair. I feel guilty about some things in my life and remorseless about the remaining 99%. 
I apply that same metric here, and my only great self knowledge, self acknowledged Achilles heel, is not having a decent read on Mark McGuinness. I don't say that because it's the case of Emperor's New Clothes. I don't hold the special ire that Rich Miller had for, for fellow young championship loney Jordan Story. It's more I cannot recall anything to distinguish his qualities specifically. But I am mature of, I'm, I'm mature enough to know that reading to know that in that reading it definitely signals the presence of something I'm pleased by greatly. He has a strong anonymity that seems above his tier, and just looks impeccably solid, and has been a fair mainstay in a defence that, despite changing, has a very decent record. Moore has made a worthwhile de- addition to the squad, and he has been a steady presence and has helped make the bank back line a damn sight sturdier. I'm very glad he's here, and he warrants an A. Nice. It's interesting, yeah, because um, we we haven't sat and recorded a conversation uh, this season, but we have we do talk about Wednesday, we text about Wednesday, and you sort of said a couple of weeks ago about the fact you didn't really have a read on McGuinness, but I, I'm a little bit surprised because to me he's been he's probably in the the running the short the short list for player of the season so far for me. Uh, I've really been pretty impressed with him. Um, he's obviously he's a he's a big lad, which is which is nice. Um, mm-hmm. but he's got a bit of class about him. He's can pick out a pass, a, a distance pass. Um, he seems to be fairly comfortable kind of playing anywhere across that back three. Um, which is again a fairly unique trait, it seems, because so many players struggle in one of those positions. Um, so I've, I, yeah, I would say I've been pretty impressed with him by and large. Uh, I think he's he has an influence on the game. I my, my yeah my sort of my worry or dislikes with story were were when it sort of push came to shove, he just wasn't intervening enough. But McGuinness gets stuck in. Mm. Um, he's got he's picked up a few yellow cards in games, but he he likes a tackle. Um, it, it, he's pretty much yeah all round. I I just really really like he's he can he can pass with both feet. Um. I don't know how tall he is precisely. He's six foot something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think six four, something like that. So, um, but he plays. He's got a. He's got a kind of looseness to his game when he's got the ball that you wouldn't think he's such a, a giant man. He sort of reminds me that if it reminds me of uh, Mark Beavers. If Mark Beavers was really really good, or when Mark <laughs> Beavers was really really good, because there Mark were Beavers really good. Mark yeah. Beavers. Um, when we were talking about that twenty million pound defense, mm. that's the Mark Beavers he reminds me of. Uh, which I, for me is quite is quite high praise. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, it's interesting because I think he's a, he was an Arsenal youngster, and I think you can maybe see that. I think he's he's been taught well mm. um, in, in in the ways that you do sometimes see from very good academies. Um, so yeah, I mean, if there was, I, I think there was some murmur about us maybe being interested in a permanent deal for him. Although I know. Things have gone badly at Cardiff, so there's also talk about yeah. him maybe getting brought back. But if we were able to sign him on a permanent deal, we should we should absolutely grab that opportunity with both hands. Mm. I, I think he's I think he's a real real talent. At 21, he's got a very good head on his shoulders. Yeah, uh, something I I wouldn't I wouldn't be against at all. Um, I think the interesting thing you've brought up there it it does have um, for different reasons and for different ways. Just looking at Cardiff, kind of feels a bit like a, a club in tumult and a bit similar to um Basilian Sedin at Birmingham. They yeah. just seem to just be on a, a you know, a sh- a fair ship on a very, very rocky 
Night C. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I think that probably probably will derail anything. I mean, but I, I guess should be glad that we Wednesday have the pulling power and the ability and nows to go out and identify a player like that and bring him into the yeah. bring him into the squad. So yeah. And I think when we signed him we were almost sort of thinking like, is that, there's probably enough centre backs now? But it turns out it was not. We needed another couple. I, I think they've they've said that in the announce, like said that in the the commentary watching. I think I, I remember Rob O'Neill mentioning that was that I think in one of the interviews with Moore saying we thought we had enough people in terms yeah. of like, but then you know we are cursed with injuries. So it's we've uh, had three potential season enders in the defense, haven't we? A centre back. Yeah, yeah, and Samuwo. Hennigan and um and now Ehequa, we've been told they're like yeah, yeah. don't expect them back anytime soon. Hennigan seems to be coming back into um training. Mm. So that that, that seems good. I'm intrigued. Yeah. I'd I'd be I'd be intrigued to see him come back and see where he fits in yeah. in this in this current kind of thing. Ehequa is a massive loss. Um we'll get on to him. But yeah, for me was start coming back. For me was probably the closest to the three. He's been on the bench but not not involved and not come on when maybe he could have come on if he was fully fit. Exactly, yeah. And maybe I think that just speaks volumes of how well this defence is doing, how much the, the rear guard is doing. I suppose. Yeah. That's the thing, yeah. We'll, we'll talk, we'll have a more general view of how we feel the season's going when we talk about Darren Moore, but the defence is not the issue, by and large. No, Despite no, all, all the upheaval and, and the aforementioned, we'll get to him, the aforementioned uh, Dominic Iorfa, it's not um, it's not the big problem with this, <laughs> with, with, with things. Um, okay, that's uh, that's fair enough on on, on McGuinness. Um, I'll, I'll stick with your A so that you leave him wanting more, because if you got that A plus halfway through, he might start slacking off, you know. Got that. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> Don't want him uh, half-hearted for the second half of the season. I'm sure he listens to this, as all as do all the players, and we have such a yes, yes, a massive binding influence on a squad of professional footballers. Um, so next up is number four. We're back to the uh, the early numbers here. Mm. It's Big Willie Volks, and I call him Big Willie Volks uh, because he's got that BDE, Luke, um, and also. Uh, it's short for his name, Will William. Uh, he's also he's taller than I expected him to be, so I think that's how, fair. how tall is he? I think I think he's only five eleven, but I thought he was like a little okay. nippy guy. I thought he's like a a heel heel clipper. I thought he was a James O'Connor type, but he's he's, uh, he's got that BTLE, that big Tom Lee's energy. Big Tom Lee's energy. Yeah. B BTE, that bigger than expected energy. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, and then going into that, I want to say Volks, I find personally a bit of a strange one to assess. I really want to protest heavily against the knee-jerk and vicious early reactions comparing to Lewis Wing on Al's talk. I think that is impeccably harsh, but probably comes from a burning desire to see him claim the, the first team 11 midfield berth that we all claim for him at the start of the season. Mm. And I think we've seen him have a fairly slow start to this to this season. I think at times he's effective and does all we expect of him. Uh, we also can't not mention his wonder strike for all three points at Port Vale. Stick that one up, you Robbie Williams. I think I'm going to settle. <laughs> I think I'm going to settle on a B, and I think there's going to be more to come from Will Volks for the second half of the season. Do you know, he's a. Uh, there's something about him I really like. Like uh, there's 
as his kind of character and personality off the pitch, you know, seeing him in the interview, he's got a kind of cheeky chap. It's probably a little bit to do with the fact he sounds very much, he's from my kind of neck of the woods there or thereabouts, like separated by some water. Um, mm. But he sounds like somebody, talks like somebody I would go to school with. And therefore I think there's a, there's a kind of, there's an, in, um, there's an endearing charm to, to hearing him talk but i do think he's got a little twinkle in his eye i think he's a cheeky chappy is uh is is big willie volks um that's yeah that what that wonder strike against port vale absolutely should get a mention let let will volks entertain you robbie right um <laughs> it's interesting isn't it because he's a name he's a name we know he's been involved at um you know, I think we would cast we would cast admiring glances and maybe have some fraught run-ins with him as a as a Rotherham uh, yes. player. Yeah, um, and then he's you know moved from that to have a good couple of years at Cardiff as well, including picking up some caps for Wales. So I think rightly excited when we signed him. I have been a little bit underwhelmed. I, I, he's by no means is he a, is he a wing. Um, I don't yeah. think he's, he's definitely not a disappointment on that scale. He seems to care and try, which makes him way better than Lewis Wing ever was. Um, there's a couple of things, I think, going on with him that I wonder if we're seeing the full Will Volk's experience. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I hope, Rich, that, you know, next time I'll come back to the UK, I, I'm hoping that we can take in a Wednesday game, Rich, me and you can just hang out and, you know, just just, just be, you know, have a, the great friends that we are. But I'm hoping, hoping that we, me and you, can maybe, maybe I come in the summer and maybe, maybe we go see uh, the Will Volks experience at the uh, Old Trafford Cricket Ground. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know who would, who would, who, him only. who would support the Will Volks experience? <laughs> Barry Bannon's big time band. Barry Bannon's big time band. <laughs> the most, the most popular bitch in ragtime band. <laughs> Just kicking around this UK top forty, <laughs> but there's—I think there's two things. There's two things. It's you know we talk about people. <laughs> you know we talk about people's usefulness sometimes, and like somebody like Callum Patterson, you talk about it, it, the fact he can play in lots of positions means he kind of gets shoved around. And we we talked about it with Liam Palmer already on this episode. Like being able means you get asked to, and I think there's two things he's able to do better than the rest of the midfielders and therefore he's asked to do them but I do wonder whether it's the best use of his talents mm. and what he is able to do is be disciplined enough to sit in front of the back four or back three and maintain that position he's able to sit as the anchor nobody else seems to be able to do that they go they get involved elsewhere on the pitch and leave a gap the other thing is he He's remarkably good at receiving the ball in panicky situations from centre-backs or Stockdale. When we're playing out from the back, he has a picture in his head. He tends to know where he wants to pass the ball and therefore can get rid of it in one pass, usefully get rid of it in one pass, which not many other players seem to have. So I think because of that, he's ending up as our defensive midfielder, our holding midfielder. I don't know if Will Vox is a holding midfielder. I think he's a he's a more of a central midfielder, maybe even a kind of front foot attacking midfielder, playmaker. 
I don't think we're seeing all of his gifts in the position that he's in. He doesn't have a range of passing like Bannon from this position. So he's not a playmaker from deep hmm. um, in the same way Bannon tries to be, but he he's very good at those two things. And I think that's just what he's just ended up with like, okay, you can do this. So you can, that's your job. Thanks. Will. <laughs> it, it, it's, it solves a problem for us. So we're maybe not getting the full, as I say, yeah. full will. I, I hope he's more able than able Tesfe of the weekend on the weekend <laughs> in the second half in twenty twenty three. Yeah, yeah. He's he's um you know he's he's uh he's Eric Clapton playing rhythm guitar. You know he's he can do it. He can do it. Is that all he can do? No, he can make terrible racist statements at a gig in the nineteen eighties and. I didn't. I'll have to look into that later. Well, he did a terrible tirade, but um, no. But obviously, you know, it's just yeah. I feel like he's been given a very limited role, and he will do it because he's a good lad and he's got tactical discipline. Mm. Whether that's the best thing for us, whether that's the best thing for him, I don't know. But it, it, we need him to. We need somebody to do that, and he seems to be the only one that can. Yeah, that's true. It's it's been a it's been hard being post Luongo mm. for that for that kind of element, and we don't really have anyone else in the squad anymore. I felt like you know we had a couple of players kind of going for that, but maybe I'm yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm kind of casting my mind back and thinking about Shower when he was yes. when he was at Wednesday, and and that's been a while since since he's been gone as well. So I don't know. I mean, I I think for everything we're saying and everything we've seen, it's probably like I feel like. Right now, especially with like such a changing picture in midfield, and whatever, whatever GD, whatever gosh darn formation we're going with these days, it's probably like easiest to just put him, put him in the, put him in the the center mid first team picture, any yeah. any given any given Saturday, you know? Yeah, yeah, I I think I, I think we need him at this point in time. I I, I um I don't think it's revving anyone's engine particularly, but it's just a necessary thing this well we it's hard to not step on the toes of talking about what the team's doing and what's going on but the, the we're giving so many creative types their freedom of you know to do whatever they like that somebody needs to be an a grown up and he mm. Vox is is able to be a grown up and willing to be a grown up I think we need Will Volks to do, you know, to to bring that big abs from five energy to come around, do some work on the, do some work on our kitchen, you know, apply whatever, you know, cheeky chappy smile with his, <laughs> uh, with his, with his mucky, mucky smocks and, uh, you know, do, uh, put a bit of, put a bit of his magic, magic glue up in, uh, whatever, whatever thing is broken in our house. You know, <laughs> we, we can make him, we can make him a weak cup of tea and have a bit of banter with him and then he can, uh, and then he can leave knowing that he's done a job. I think I've seen uh, that video where the, the workman comes around and leaves his magic glue everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't we all? Is that the perfect part to segue on to our next player? Oh, wh- who else would we move from magic glue onto than, uh, than Reese James? <laughs> <laughs> so to give some context within, this, this, uh, within these writings, dear listeners, and uh, my dear co-host Rich, um, coming into Reese James, and this was kind of near the end of all the players I was assessing, and I've said finally, 
a player I am excited to rate. Reese James is a quality third-tier operator, one who we might see as a great surplus at the Seasiders, and that's where we are, folks. We sniff around Blackpool for any surplus donkeys down the beach. <laughs> Moore comes down and gives his wonderful shiny chrome and his nice beard a bit of a stroke, looks to the side and gives them all a dutiful prod with his right foot in the space of tire kicking before admitting, yeah. Regardless, Moore knew this trusty assured donkey from his time at Donny Rovers, and he brought in someone who is decently mobile on the flank with a great left peg for whipping in some nice crosses. One of the better performers of the season so far individually, and I think he comfortably accomplishes a decent B+. With the caveat that I want to say I'm looking forward to more to come from him in the second half of the season. I'm feeling like the bow will break, and hopefully a wonder goal, and some slash some more obsessed will come dutifully. Oh, yeah. I I think he'd be in for more than a B plus from me. Okay. I, I think that was probably being a little bit just marred with some of the other players we were looking over. And just I suppose, a feeling and of general collective apathy right now. <laughs> but yeah. like, I, I mean, he's kind of very sneakily kind of come back into... I think we had that period near the beginning of like, oh my, this guy looks like a... Like I said, a quality third-tier operator. Mm. He looks like a good little footballer within that kind of lens and someone who we think, you know, you you just watch him play and you just kind of start getting ideas of where he can kind of add and kind of give his talents. Yeah. And that was taken away from us very quickly with some of the injuries yeah. kind of going around. So he kind of And that red card, that very questionable red card away against Peterborough. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was, that was crappy. On an, on an evening that felt, kind of one of our disappointments this season but still kind yeah. of like a, a bit of a strength i mean at that point it was like you know we were kind of romping away and then kind of coming a little bit unstuck you know very yeah. closely to peterborough in some very harsh kind of fashion so it felt like a real sign of hey this is where we are like for the mm. positive and i feel we've had more signs collectively i think automatically i think we are kind of within that realm but i think unfortunately mm. we've just had some times of just being like oh no you know, more on the negative side, being like, we're, we're kind of sucking for different reasons. So he was taken away from us. And I think like, the point I was going to get to is like, he's kind of snuck back in very kind of quietly within that defensive picture. Yeah. And there's just, again, like uh, feeling certain kind of tones with Mr. McGuinness is this kind of a very beautiful, comfortable anonymity, mm. which like we are looking, I feel like defense has done remarkable, like remarkably well. There's yeah. such kind of a weird comfort in this rotation that we're doing and posting, I don't know, like 12 clean sheets so far. Sheets, just, yeah. Um, we've, we're doing this, recording this just after the aftermath. And we'll, we'll get onto this as well from the uh, the Oxford United yes. nil, nil nil at home. Um, a dour affair, um, but one that's uh, had some had some positives from a defensive perspective so we're doing that but like we're looking elsewhere and we're pointing out some of the weaknesses of the pitch like yeah. a lack of spine in the middle and then just nothing really forthcoming from our striking options so to have like to, to just kind of lose that focus and not have to complain about defensive you know we don't have we don't have players just doing clangers so yeah. the fact that he's i think it feels rare in this season that he's made much of a, an error anywhere is yeah. is just great that's yeah. i would sort of say that one that's what marks him out i think he um fairly early on i think maybe even like one of the first times i sort of saw saw him play i don't know i'm trying to think i'm trying to think back just to the precise timeline of it cuz 
um, that red card did sort of put a gap in things for him, didn't? Because I think it was a um, dangerous play or whatever. So he missed three games from that. I think. Mm. Um, so it kind of like he just got it. He just got fit, had a couple of games, and then missed three. Um, and he has had an injury since then as well. But very early on, I was getting good vibes, Luke. Uh, and I, I and I, to the point where my um, sort of. Uh, thing that I would say most commonly is he he's he's Buxton he's Lewis Buxton in that wow. he does everything right mm-hmm. I, he is the he is the coach's manager's teacher's pet he uh, he knows the right place to stand he knows the right place, the right distance to leave a give a winger so that you can the, the first trick doesn't get past you and you can tackle them kind of you know all these things he knows the right places to stand the right places to be the right passes to play when he plays a pass back to the goalkeeper he doesn't play it th- between the sticks he plays it to the side of the goal you know all these every and if and he and like if he knows it needs to be hit hard it's going to be hit but hard back to the goalkeeper all these things he just is doing all the textbook stuff he knows he's read the manual inside out and he knows all the rules and he does them all he's a he's a good boy <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's partly what allows him to play centre back at five foot six and not look ridiculous. He wins headers because he knows exactly where to stand, exactly when to jump, and he he maximises what he has brilliantly. Um, I think in addition to that, he's quite comfortable on the ball. We've seen. I'd like to see more of him, maybe at left wing back or left wing, because I I, I think there is um as you sort of touched on, I think there's a kind of creative side to him that we've maybe not seen as much as we would have liked. Yeah. Um, he did get a brilliant assist uh, early on. I'm trying to think when that was, which game it was, but um, I, th- I think he's got that as well. I think he can play all the way up that left-hand side. Mm. Um, but, but again, because we've needed the bodies, he's ended up being a left-sided centre-back more often than anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to, yeah, to be, to be left-sided centre-back and get clean sheets, at five foot six is frankly ridiculous. Um, <laughs> Rich, you say five foot six. I don't know if you're looking at the other Reese James. Uh, my Wikipedia is telling me he's six foot. So maybe do you think he's got strong kind of Tom Lee's energy? He's definitely not six foot. <laughs> this is he's what Wikipedia is telling me. Saying where, where is your source coming from? Uh, well, one, my eyes. Uh, two, soccer base. <laughs> soccer way says he's six soccer foot. Base. Says he's soccer way. Soccer way. I've never yeah. even heard of soccer. Oh, well, there you go. Well, it's, it's uh, interesting. Okay, so questions about his height. Um, Man United youngster. Uh, there. Did, did, okay. Didn't you know? That, that would be... Uh, that would... That, I can, Again, you can see. Sometimes you can see a good academy, and I think probably that, yeah, again, he does... Is he Kieran Lee, Luke? Oh. Oh. Sometimes. Should we just drop him in the midfield? Is he the answer to our prayers? Maybe. Maybe sometimes you see a good academy, maybe sometimes you see a police academy. <laughs> I would be, I, I would be, I've, having seen him stood next to Bannon, I'd be amazed if he's six foot. T- he's a Kieran Lee six foot if he's six foot, because Kieran Lee was famously six foot on his record, wasn't he? <laughs> he's he's as short as Bannon, if 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 not shorter. <laughs> but he's, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan. I I I, th- I would probably g- give him a, an A. Uh, but I'm happy with again B plus keeps him keen. You don't I can, wanna, I, can uh, I can have some spirit of the season and give him an A minus. Okay, sounds good. Okay. Spirit. Okay. Um, next up, number five. Your number five. 
It's Bennigan Hennigan. It's that hen again. It's that hen again. Now I think Who's when back? he now I think when he arrived, it was very much the arrival of a no-nonsense defender, and that was celebrated. Mm. I don't bring up to say that that was a lie or he somehow disappointed us, but I think that revelation in the real world showed us a player who is primed for big moments. He's a man yeah. who has come in with some big last-minute tackles, and I think we're still waiting for some goals from big attacking headers at the other end. Thankfully, he's done everything we wanted perfectly so far in this big moments, amid a start of getting the standard Wednesday knockitis. That is an airborne injury disease that goes around Middlewood, which somehow mutated into a big problem. I think I'm just kind of casually guarded for some meltdown or bollocks to be dropped, but that hasn't arrived yet, and he's been solid for what we've seen from him. I hope we see some more of him this season when he comes back from injury, and I think for his actions, he gets a chunky B+. Nice. Uh, yeah, he's been, as advertised, I think, in terms of that no-nonsense, loves a header, absolutely loves a header. He's got that kind of, uh, if it was knee-high, he'd try and head it. Like he's he's got that kind of he's 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 head in daft is uh, is Ben Hennigan. Um, I'm enjoying the image of Rich as the uh, Rich as the the workaday Scottish football scout. Going, he bloody loves a header. He bloody loves a header. He he eat headers for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, speaking of good academies, uh, a Chester product. Uh, ben oh, Hennigan. beautiful Chester product. Kissy, kissy. Mwah, mwah, mwah. <laughs> Uh, do you know what I've been impressed with him? Just as a, a an addition to what we were what we were expecting, he he can play a pass. He can pick out a pass. Um, I've I've been quite impressed with some of his distribution. He can get a bit. He's he's kind of a, um, he's all legs. Like so, players when he's pressed, he can get himself into trouble. But when he gets his ch- a chance to look up and pick a pass, he, he's uh he's got some ability there. Uh, I've I've been impressed sometimes with this kind of raking crossfield balls from 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 time to time, um, and yeah, we just need him back. He's mm. a big big character, big uh, big player for us, um, and yeah, surely there must be goals around the corner for him. Surely, um, right, Bennigan Hennigan. Uh, this is this next one, bit of a well. I'm intrigued to hear what you your thoughts are. Uh, number thirty two, Jackie Hunt. So just to break a Fabian, bring people into procedure of my notes taking um, for the assembly of this this episode. But uh, but Hunt is the second to last player for me to make notes on. And I kind of largely went through the squad. But I was hoping at start in the beginning that when I came to him, then he'd radically sort himself out for the season. Such a vague and hopeless thought of that now is almost if I use the analogy of the fact that he's the last part of the bridge to paint, then it probably sounds ridiculous. I expected some beautiful and weird transmogrification when I get to the edge of the end of the bridge and somehow it's managed to paint itself. From what we know, the lovable RWB rogue, we almost paint to be a French French squashbuckler by pronouncing him as Jacunt, has had a nasty virus that has really knocked him for six this season. The man who announced that his body has changed has also had a change in his form. I was so happy to see him return for another season of the Wednesday League One project, then I'm still baffled we are waiting for him to return. His performances have been rusty, and I'm struggling to think of any real positives. I hope he manages to get his aging Rolls-Royce of a bod out of the garage for the second half of the season. And uh, this really pains me to say, Rich, but I've written down a D+. Yeah, I forgot about the virus. Because I would have... My my sort of note on him is, is it a bit like Pudil and maybe the legs have gone? Maybe. And I know people say that doesn't happen overnight, but in my experience, it can happen overnight. Because uh, it almost did with Pudil. 
And I don't know, but I'm, I'm looking at it. He's played nine games this season, and he's they're nearly all been wins <laughs> he's been involved in. Um, what, is, what has he played in the league? Because, I mean, I think there was like a little bit of the league at the beginning, and then yeah, the most of played, it I can remember just being cup games. Yeah, so he played in – the league is not so – is a bit more – so he played in the 3-3 draw with Portsmouth. Um, right. Started, played, all 90, played the whole game there. Um, came on for Famuo in the one 0 win against MK Dons. Came on in the sort of twenty ninth minute. Uh, played the first seventy two minutes against Charlton. Mm. So the, the and then uh, played. How much did he play? Not much. Played the last three minutes of the four two win against Burton. But he's also played the two FA Cup games, which were in. He played all the yeah. um, Johnson Paint games, which actually weren't all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> losses. Um. Yeah, but it, it, to me, it just looks whether it's a confidence thing or a pace thing, he just looks a bit of a step off it, and it's a real shame because he's always been such an absolute joy to watch. Um, hopefully, hopefully, he can find find his feet again. But who knows? Just it so wasn't... disappointing. I'm just, I was just such a big, such a big Jacoon fan, and well, uh... we were missing him early on in the season because Palmer was playing just so blisteringly well. It's like. Well, why why would you drop him? Why would you drop him? But I would have him over. I offer at this point in time. Surely, if he if he's anywhere near Jack Hunt, I'd prefer playing him at right wing back over I offer. Yeah, that's an interesting one. But it, again, it just feels like I mean, it it's nice to have players who can play different positions. Sometimes it's not nice with that that you have players that you're like, well, I don't know where he is. I don't know where he is best, so I don't think yeah. we really have that anywhere. Um, he he just feels like a very limited tool. It feels a bit like it just it just feels like like going through your drawer of kitchen utensils, and he's a melon baller, <laughs> and maybe he's, he's a bit of a melon baller this season. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> he's a he's a corn cob skewer. He's a he's a Concord skewer, yeah. It's just like so. I don't know where else. You're like it, it seems to just be all he is. Yeah. Is I don't know. I mean, if if we, but I mean, if we ever manage to figure out four four two, maybe he's just yeah. a standard right back. You know, I I don't know where then, else. Do you have him over Palmer at this point. No, but I, that would have to be a situation where Palmer's injured or something. Yeah. You know, you're getting to that point. You're getting to like Jaden Brown levels, being like. Well, if there's no one else, or we, we're missing yeah. a game due to suspension, or someone's got a bit of a knock and they don't want to see it being, yeah. we don't ever really get much of an idea about that. But you're like, sure, sure, maybe for a game. And, you know, I mean, yeah. And I mean, with that level, he should really be, um, he should be good enough to, to yeah. plunk into one of those positions, even when he's ill performing at this level against some of these teams. There should be enough yeah. class to go to get him by. But it's it's uh it it's pretty painful seeing him seeing him these days. Yeah, I don't Hopefully. I don't want someone like that who I think has had a, a decent Wednesday identity during these yeah. last ten years almost. Mm. You know, like I don't want him to to go and I don't want him to end his career on this note. I'd like no. to see some second half mild rebirth, and then depending on where we are, I think he's probably done. Um, but I, I'd want him to actually perform in an element to make us actually consider that, like, like really think, have a have a hard think about that, as opposed to, you know, no, just going no. But he's, 
I mean, more, he's more susceptible than most to if if the legs are going because his game is about pace. He's yeah. always been. It's always been about how quick he is. Yeah. Catching people, catching people off guard. I mean, I mean, with Pudil, we actually saw, we did see him have a stint at centre-back. Well, yeah, which is kind of fascinating as a career journey for him because he started off as a winger, then became a left-back, then, then became a centre-back. Really? Without it, but I don't know. I'd want to. I don't think I'd want to see Jack Hunt. Uh... Oh, I know. So I, the thing I'm saying is, like, it, we're, we're not going to get that. We're not going to get that same narrative with Jack Hunt. No. So again, it's uh, mel- you know, we can't use the melon baller to uh, to scrape out the innards of the turkey. You know. <laughs> what a what a grim piece of imagery there. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to have to. Uh... Toss him, with, with, toss him off to the charity shop or the thrift store, depending on which part with, of the world you are. With, uh, with that grim imagery in mind, do you want to move on to our next uh, candidate? <laughs> so there'll be a couple of occasions, Rich, of which I think after this, there's another player I've got here who I've actually written out, we'll get on to. I've done a, a harsh version and then a less harsh version. Right. I don't know if Dominic Iolfo deserves a less harsh version, but I think... Me and you will talk out some positives beyond what I've got here. Okay. So, we all know the classic Nora Batty-type character who is paraded as an eternal home-dwelling attired archetype. Someone who looks like a someone who is somehow consigned to a life looking after the home, home and maybe specifically the kitchen, much like a medieval peasant who has to look after the dungeons with a bitter streak of misery running through their person. We then get to see sometimes to see this character through a misogynistic lens as the dour killjoy to a main lovable knockabout protagonist and a dated horrific lens of their awful loveless marriage. What we never see of this character is the fact that one time Nora was the belle of the ball, a desirable beautiful young siren who had the eye of every young man in the village. To bring this analogy back home, we folks have seen Dominic Nora Iortha as the bombastic wrecking ball knockabout in his youth and now get to see the shriveled husk of what he has become now. Unfortunately, we now join the character in a latter stage of life, and there's just nothing there anymore. No sign of the woman we fell in love with, and bitterness fumes across the dining room table, and it feels like an elaborate ruse of the person we met a long time ago. Nora's played with a laissez-faire attitude that completely lacks any professionalism or the right attitude, has fitness issues, and no longer has the pace and strength she had from the beginning. The cherry on top? Why, this is all capped off with a complacent and pivotal penalty miss in the League Cup. I hope in this last remaining season of The Last of Aeol for Wine that there is a flashback episode, or series of episodes, where we get to see what we saw near the beginning again. But I have little hope before the show's imminent cancellation. And that's a D. Oh. It's, uh... It's not been good. It's no. not been good. No. Um... And I think we've but... we've, we've moved from um, times of... Um, the, the thing that I really fucking hate with doing this is, like, engaging within certain narratives, you know, living and going aboard message boards. I think I'll probably get a bit of slander for a comment I made on Al's talk recently where somebody suggested that Josh Windass has not been played in his actual position. And I said, what position is that? Because yeah. he's unconvincing all over the pitch. But anyway, yeah. we'll get on to Josh Windass later. <laughs> we'll get to... <laughs> Spoiler for the next episode. Spoiler. Um, but anyway, I offer is like, I feel there's a lot of people still clinging to this identity of who they think I offer was. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's so long gone. And I feel like we're getting to the point of we've, we've moved across a couple of places here 
and I, I, I have criticisms of Darren Moore. I have things to praise him for. I have things that I feel really sorry for the man for. And I feel sorry that he has to deal with Dominic Iorfa in the squad. That he has yeah. situations of like, I'm trying to maximize what I have on limited options at the back. Yeah. And I have this guy here. And I think there's been times we have seen that he does not want to play Iorfa. No, and exactly. There are times and situations now of like, I have to play Iorfa. And what is the best I can get from Iorfa? Which again, yeah. I feel is something I feel sorry for him for. Knocking yeah. about between these two points is painful for him. It's painful to see that that Moore has to make these decisions. And finally, it's just painful to see Iorfa play. And from a human point of view... If we can see it, and it's obvious to us that he doesn't want to play Iorfa or try, is trying to play him in the least harmful way possible, Dominic Iorfa can see that too. And that can't be a great position to be in psychologically either. It's bad all round. But it, he is a problem to manage for, for Darren Moore rather than a player to manage. This is not an asset in the squad. It is, it's like a glitch that you have to work around all the time. Um and I mean, they're, they're, he's gone to some extraordinary lengths to try and avoid playing him at centre-back so far this season. I mean, goodness knows what will happen between, you know, it, we've, it, things things pick up pretty um, fast-paced uh, once we get back from uh, from this Christmas sort of lull. Um, and as we pick up injuries, who knows what lengths he's going to have to stoop to. Mm. Um, but uh, it, it, it's, it's remarkable because I think we, we talked a bit last season prior to his injury we were sort of saying just how we were enjoying Dominic Iorfa he's so so he's so good he's far too good for this level um he's so good in fact that he's almost switching off and having to like he's creating problems that he fires that he has to put out to keep himself interested that's what we would you know that's the level we were talking <laughs> at there um the problem he's still he's still in the mindset of setting the fires he's just not bothered about putting them out anymore the mm. the, the complacency i mean how <laughs> sorry because we had the big reshuffle for that oxford game how he kept his how i offer stayed in the first team especially after... especially with a limited amount of players there's a limited amount of like color you can use on your artistic palette palette yeah. and to think that we're going with a 4-4-2 and he gets to keep playing yes that's fucking ridiculous and, and what he did against exeter is frankly disgusting like I, I mean i don't it's football it's a silly game but like he fails at the basic competence of passing a ball two feet in front of him if he passes the ball to fizzeo deli bashiru we go on a break the goal doesn't happen he doesn't. He passes it six feet to his right and way too hard, which just hands the the possession to the opposition. And rather than go, okay, I've made an absolute howler here. I need to go sort this out. He just backs off meekly, puts no pressure on the play, and then it results in a goal. Like, I just don't know. My part of me, I, I, I don't think physiologically, actually, he's lost too much. I think he still looks quick. I think he still looks strong. Um, I think he's. I think mentally he is completely checked out of being a Sheffield Wednesday player, and I don't know whether it was the bright lights, you know, because he was going to have this wonderful career. There was all the there was threads on house talk. Will he pick England or Nigeria for his international career? And then he had a horrendous. He signed a contract 
which was going to guarantee us money when he was sold. Then he got the horrendous injury and it's been downhill step by step since then. And I just think he is so done with being a Sheffield Wednesday player. Being a Sheffield Wednesday player in League One is not something Dominic Iorfa is interested in. Um, And we keep asking him to do it. And he could not be less bothered about doing it. But that is such uh, a depressing revelation. Like, I feel like me and you had a conversation the other week and you said something, which I think is a big talking point for something to bring into talking about yeah. this podcast, which is like you said, I think he could go somewhere else and do well. And I said, I think he's completely broken. Yeah. I think he's just broken beyond repair. Like, I mean, if it if it's a, I don't know. For the sake of him, for the sake of how old is he again now? He's twenty six. Is that right? Yeah, twenty seven. Okay. Let me. I'm just going to look at him just because I want to see like that just hilarious thing we talk about sometimes with when's his birthday? His birthday's in June. Okay, so the end of the end of this this next season, he'll be twenty eight. He's still going to play a bit more football for his career. I'm sure he wants to do that. Um, he needs to think. He needs to think very clearly about what's next for him, and he needs to have something that's going to like renovate him. But he doesn't deserve an opportunity at Championship football to get a, an opp- opportunity to go elsewhere and be a second tier performer with like, oh, maybe there's an upside. I mean, it's very late in the day for Dominic Iorfa. Yeah, um, like I'm not saying that that couldn't happen, but he needs to earn that right, and he's not earning that right right now. He's being being an absolute fucking bomb scare and, yeah. and a defensively in a third-tier outfit. A third-tier outfit who were looking at the top end of the table, I will say. Yeah. But, like, you know, I I, I don't know. Who, who's going who's gonna to do that? Who's going to give him an opportunity? Especially when, like, I think we're seeing now in, like, I think we're in a weird space in League One because it's it's kind of interesting to think about, like, looking at Derby and they've kind of assembled a squad and they assembled squad and the players that I think we did – and we're doing that as well. Like we're picking up players who you feel like they should be good enough for the championship. So they drop down yeah. to League One for like the big, the big contracts, the big prize to get out of. Mm. Feels like the money is swelling and growing, and the standard is growing in League One. Yeah, you know, another year of being a very competitive division um, with some teams really going for it. So, like, why would anybody like? Why would he be someone who would be clutched from this division to be raised up there? Like I can see him doing, I don't know. Would he? Would he go do something if 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 he's like, yeah, I I'm pretty sure like his con his future at Wednesday is done past the end of the season. I think his contract is up um in 2023 end of season. Like I don't know. You you could think he would go do like a Shea Dunkley thing, like go to Shrewsbury or something like that. But he's not. I don't. I don't know. Maybe that's the the change yeah. he needs. But again, I just we're just getting this this feeling of a player who's like, I just don't want to be here. I don't want to be doing this. It's painful. It's painful all around. I wish he'd fuck You've off. You've got to remember though what, what he'll get sold at as in his next phase is not Sheffield Wednesday League One knockabout defender. Oh, I know. Like the there's a Wolves there's a... former Wolves defender sold for two and a half million pounds, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like England under twenty one. Moses Adebayo got Moses Adebayo got a try again in the championship league yeah but that's there will be a championship club that gives him a try i i have uh, no doubt about it whether he succeeds there is up to him but i don't think physiologically he's there's anything wrong with i i think it's all in his head and it's then whether whether that is something that clears whether those are cobwebs that clear look at tom lee's tom lee's look completely broken for us 
and then he goes and he's a pro, almost a promotion winning championship mm. defender. I mean, you say that, and I do agree with you to a certain degree there, Rich. But Huddersfield are at the foot of the championship table this year. Not now, but like the it's... next season, he was he was a star man for them in the playoff picture. How, how long? How long broken. does that that new glow, that new shiny toy effect yeah. go for before he's then discarded? Before he's then, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I think I've said enough about your Yeah, let's, no, that's fair let's, enough. Let's move on to someone else. Well, I am truly fascinated to hear your thoughts on so, our big chubby 31, David Stockdale. So interesting enough, Rich, with the way this has worked, and this is just pure uh, kismet, is that we've had two players in a row in Hunt and Iortha, who I re- have given a real kicking to, and probably the two low, very much the two lowest rated players. In, in the squad, just as a spoiler. I then also said that, you know, I felt like they're a harsh one, and then I've... So this is the only player I've done a write-up, and then I've come back and thought about it, and I'm like, no, he deserves better. So I'll give him... Okay. I will give him the first rating. Blow up. And then I'll probably come back and give us a review. Okay, so okay. The regular Stockdale write-up is... There. With watching a player of his age and mild degree of grace, I'm still warming up to seeing at least one occasion a season where he falls, and I wonder if he's broken his hip. It is a strange and discomforting reality that a perceived number one, though obviously not in the squad numbers, is the safest pair of hands in the goalkeeping squad when he's eyeing a late career as a star turn in the forthcoming Mr. Magoo reboot. (laughs) Jokes aside, he's relatively fine. You see enough of his time-wasting experience, and the majority of his goalkeeping moves are good decisions. It is also hard acclimatizing to the shop's own brand of cornflakes in Stockdale when last season we could afford Magic Spoon in Bailey. The old Bailey he ain't, but frankly ain't criminal. He gets a solid and hearty B, much like begrudgingly enjoying a weekend in Leeds. So, that was my first write-up. Here's a less harsh version. With a more genuine lens of appreciation, I think his realm of snarky dark arts has had a lot to a team that seemed to misplace its bottle last season. His telling appearance on Under the Cosh spelled out a player who understands it's about momentum and does everything to disrupt the flow when it suits us, and indeed him too. We picked up a keeper on the free that amassed a ton of clean sheets, and in that commentary, looking last season, I think it was very interesting for me doing this analysis. BPF got 16 clean sheets last season. The club record is 17 in a season. Um, by the time he finished playing at Shrewsbury, he had 10 clean sheets. I think he got another one since then, so 11 clean sheets. He leads clean yeah. in the thing. We're doing this in the thing where I thought um, I, I wasn't happy about seeing him drop for Dawson, and we can get on to that. Yes. So maybe yeah. again, he should have had like 12 clean sheets. But again, we've got a player who we're doing this on, we're recording this on the eve of the halfway season. So the halfway season is going to be the Boxing Day game against who we play in Boxing Day, whoever it is. Uh, oh, Someone, someone crap. Anyway, <laughs> I f- and I think we loved Bailey Peacock Farrell, despite the failings of defense. Fleetwood. Fleetwood. We'll fix it in post. (laughs) (laughs) I I won't fix it in post, listeners. (laughs) And again, it's only fair to apply the same criteria of looking at Peacock Farrell to Stockdale. He has done extremely well, considering some most rotational misdemeanors at the back. And I think we have to be incredibly grateful for him. And it's just fun. There's a lot of character with him. You know, there's the jokey things about, like, this kind of dour, dickhead, northern... Northern Bant Smith that he's done. I haven't gone ahead and watched the video about the clean the bed sheets thing at the the hospital. I feel like I should. 
that'd probably be fun. I've also got another reference to is under the cosh was kind of fun. I should go back and watch the rest of that. I just watched it for the Wednesday stuff. And um I I think that I, I think that really I've come back and I've thought a lot about this. And um we've talked about McGuinness, we've talked about Reese James. I think I'm gonna give him an A minus. I think he's nice. one of my favorite performers of this season before. I was just there's just that whole character and pissing around and yeah. winding up opposition fans. You know, he said it on Under the Cosh. He said, Wednesday fans have said to me, I hated it when you did it against us, but I <laughs> but I love it when you do it for us. And it's <laughs> it's totally true. And I I'm yeah, I'm gonna give him an A minus. It's upgraded. Um nice. he's the he's the true um the the moment where Luke Scrooge undergoes and realizes in uh we t- we joked about possibly doing a bit about a play on It's a Wonderful Life, which I I saw for the first time last week. And despite the fact it's it's too long, folks, it needs to have half an hour shaved off. <laughs> and and the comedy of the time is fucking weird. The whole bit the whole bit where um she's in the she's in the bush and she's naked. Very strange. I mean it doesn't <laughs> that doesn't age well from today's no. deserved and reevaluating sexual politics. Um but the, the script is weird in that. And despite all that, it is a classic. You know, I still shed a tear at the end because <laughs> it's it's about that. So we joked about us doing It's a Wonderful Life because I found it like a really dour season to watch. Like, there's some good moments and we're third in the league. We're like two points off second as we record this. Mm. And, you know, we're very much nipping at the heels of Plymouth and Ipswich. Um, so it's it's going to go down to the wire, I feel. Nipping at their heels like those little fish that eat like the dead skin off the heels, but don't actually. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. So we thought about doing It's a Wonderful Life and it was going to be called It's Actually Quite Good, Luke, because I was <laughs> going to plan to throw myself into the Bow River and Rich would be my Clarence Oddbody to remind me some of that. And, yeah. and maybe in this this idea that I had that we would come back and reevaluate looking at uh looking at what what would what would the Wednesday season be like without these characters. And we would have definitely dropped a bunch of points through yeah. late goals conceded. And it probably would be thanks to, well, if we didn't have David Stockdale wasting time, then the, op- the other option is Dawson or, and it would have, it would have been bad. So it's, yeah. it's been conflicting, but uh, yeah, I, I want to thank David Stockdale. He's uh yeah. I, I mean, I had my misgivings going in. Mm. Um, 37 is a ripe ripe old age uh, for any sports person. Um, and he's not exactly sort of um, kept himself in the same shape as a, as a Ronaldo or a Ibrahimovic. Uh, he, he looks a good 37 years old in his, uh, in his lovely goalkeeping jersey. But I do think he's added those ineffable touches. Um, the, 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 the time wasting is, visible and obvious and 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 I think undoubtedly has won us points um but I do think there's he seems to be a great character to have around the club in many ways and I I I sort of text you after the game against uh, Oxford and you know it in a way I, as a football fan I don't mind if you're not a good dude if you play really well for Sheffield Wednesday. Like I would take <laughs> Luis Suarez. Um he as long as he scored goals for us, I wouldn't mind the fact he's an awful 
whatever, you know, biting racist mm. person. I, um, I, have, I have a great image, Rich, of you, like, you know, you, we finish, you know, you finish the game, you drive back, you stop off at the service station, and also then you see the Sheffield Wednesday playing Luis Suarez, you know, <laughs> and, and both in line at KFC, and you give him a little nudge, you lower your eyes above your, you know, <laughs> above your look of your glass and says, you know what, Luis, you're a bit of a turd of a human, but you're all right for Wednesday. <laughs> Well, you got your blue and white stripes on. I don't mind. Um, <laughs> but I think Stogdale seems like a thoroughly decent dude to have around. Mm. Um, and uh, after the Oxford game, big moment for Cam- so obviously a big moment in the potentially a pivotal moment in the season for both of them. He's been dropped. Cameron Dawson's been given the the jersey. <sighs> Didn't have a huge amount to do in the game. Did do some of his, we'll, we'll talk about this in a moment, but we did do some of his stereotypical cami bits. But the the, the 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 thing you come away with, he saved the penalty, he saved the points for us. Huge moment for your biggest rival, really, as David Stockdale. And as the final whistle was blown, who moves faster than I've ever seen him move before, but a it's David Stockdale in his, in his, in his sort of knee-length jacket, um, racing to Cameron Dawson to give him an enormous bear hug and a, and, a, and, a, and a big sort of kiss and a squeeze. And like that did bring and put a lump in my throat. And I think it says a lot about him as a character. I think it says a lot about why Darren Moore wanted him in the dressing room. There's a lot to like about David Stockdale. Uh, I wish he was better at goalkeeping. And by that, I mean the actual bit where a shot comes at the goal <laughs> and you save it with your body by moving <laughs> quickly to one side or the other. But he is really good at all Thanks. the other bits of goalkeeping. Right. Thanks for giving me that uh, Oxford English Dictionary definition. Of well, do you know what I mean, though? It's like he's brilliant with his feet. Thanks, uh, thanks, Rich he, Susie Dent Miller. He organises, he talks, he yeah. does. But it's really hard to get past the fact if you get a shot on target against the guy, it's probably going to go in because he cannot drop to the floor as quickly as a fit athlete does. He's a he's an old man and he's fat and um, he's not very good at dropping down and making saves, but he's brilliant at everything else. And it's the, it's mm. the weird conundrum of do you take someone that's probably a bit better at that bit but much, much worse at everything else in mm. Cameron Dawson? Or do you have the guy that's great at everything else, but a bit shaky if you actually get a shot away? But you're going to have less shots. He's going to de- organise a defence. It's not going to happen that often. But when it does, it's probably going to look like a, a bit of a turnip falling over. I, and... uh, I I feel like there's so much kind of goodwill I have for him and everything else is done. I don't think he's as bad as you say he is. I get that. No, like, I'm, I'm I feel... So I feel in the beginning it felt a bit like that. Like it, it took a while to warm up to him. But now I think we're there. And especially with like, we've done this, we can get into, this will be a, a, a remark of Cameron Dawson coming up um, mm. based off yesterday's game against Oxford United. Um, but I, I really felt that even for the misgivings against Exeter with distribution, and I, I seem to be very clear from Moore's reaction. I don't know. I didn't feel like it was a giant criminal error no. on his goalkeeping uh, performance, but it seemed to be, I don't know, you know, Moore seemed to hint at wanting to give Dawson a chance. How much of that is just uh, media PR? I don't quite know, but I will say, 
that I was upset that Dawson was playing above Stockdale. And we really saw, especially in a game where the distribution was shocking yesterday mm. against Oxford. Yeah. Like I, I think I'd rather have, I think I'd rather have, you know, I'd rather have a mistake from Stockdale possibly in a game like, you know, risking one mistake amidst all the rest of his distribution, which I think has been yeah. pretty good because it yeah. just gets us playing and gets us driving so much more because the rest of Oxford against Oxford was just all, it was hoof and take it down. It was get it up top to the big lad up front, and it was it was ugly and it was shit and it didn't work. And I'm I'm still sourly disappointed by that game of football. It was it think, was shit. That was yeah. that was probably the worst performance of the season. It was really miserable. It was really, and it, I I had a terrible time getting there. I didn't get there till quarter of an hour into the game, <laughs> and it was just I sat there on my, my and Sue's my, uh, who I normally go to matches with had to turn around. Oh um, no! I was just sat miserable, cold, On your and just not enjoy. Just thinking, I wish I was somewhere warm doing something I enjoyed because I was not enjoying this. Um, Luke, would you say a fitting tribute to David Stockdale might be if one asked Chat GPT to do a Beastie Boys inspired song about David Stockdale? I would love that. Yes. Are we gonna? <laughs> are you gonna do that? Have you done that already? I'm not. I'm. I'm just going to read you the lyrics, if that's okay. But point okay. you towards. I did. You, well, you'll see. So, uh, verse one. David Stockdale. Oh, how we love you! Between the sticks, you're a keeper like no other. With your quick reflexes and your strong defense, you're the reason we're not feeling the suspense. And then the chorus is David Stockdale, David Stockdale, Sheffield Wednesday's number one. David Stockdale, David Stockdale. You're the man. You're the one. Um, from, from your days at Birmingham City to your time at Fulham, you've proven yourself to be a top-notch goalkeeper. Now, now you're back at Hillsborough, where you belong, saving shots left and right all day long. And then the chorus again. And then a bridge of, oh, Stockdale, oh, Stockdale, you're the king of the penalty box. Oh, Stockdale, oh, Stockdale, you're the best no one can top. Um, and then I, I said, if I was... Recording a mixtape, what song might I use for this? So just if people want to put this together themselves, one potential song that could be used for for a David Stockdale rap on a mixtape is The Finer Things by DJ Felly Fell, featuring Neo, Tigger and Wiz Khalifa. The song's upbeat, energetic beat and catchy chorus would provide strong backing for a rap about Stockdale's talents as a goalkeeper. The lyrics of the song also mention the finer things in life, which could be fitting a fitting reference to Stockdale's skill and, a, and success as a professional footballer. There you go. I can do better than that. So this would be my version. So okay. uh, Luke's AI. A fitting playlist would be Spotify's This Is DJ Khaled. DJ Khaled's constant request of "We the best" defines the man's uh, underlying, underlying smarmy little arrogance about himself. And another one could be attributed to another amassed clean sheets that he's had. There you go. So we're not. Yeah, fuck, <laughs> fuck you, AI. You're not going to take my job. Right? Shall we? <clears throat> we're in a run of interesting figures here, Luke. Because going back up to the uh, the top of the roster, uh, we've got number seven. Malik Wilkes. Oh boy, Malik Wilkes. <laughs> Malik Rashawn Coley Wilkes is a man whose name, and a fabulous name it is, folks, almost literary, and reputation doesn't match up with the end product we have seen. Yes, a slow start, and despite a couple of screamer goals, 
but it seems like for all the pursuit, maybe even the thrill of the chase is there, and we're living in a slight post-event disappointment. He isn't to blame for that. I'm sure he didn't tease a club coquettishly, and I'm sure he didn't want to come as soon as possible, before the low-stakes wrestle between two knackered hobos in Hull City and Sheffield Wednesday span out into the length of a play-by-mail cricket test match. I think my overarching concern with Wilkes is that he just seems like another Windass, but not as good. I think he can be useful, but I don't think I've seen enough of that in a player who looks like a winger in a team that doesn't have wingers. A goal record in this tier that commands respect, but I've no idea who he was in that whole side and how it worked for him there. I think it's a C plus from me here. A generous C plus. Probably, yeah. I don't think he's I like I'd like it. I think it's good to be positive, but uh it's been rough. It's been rough with Wilkes. I don't it's very hard to see what we were so enamoured by for the big chase because it was I mean we made no mm. bones about it really uh, Moore doesn't like to talk about other people's players but he talked ended up talking about Malik Wilkes almost every week during the preseason um, it's we took we've we've covered the history of uh, Wednesday uh, before and the number of times we have taken this made this particular gamble of you had one good season once we'll see if we can do that again we are never the club where they dust off the whatever muck is on their record and become that player they once were again. We are never lucky in this scenario. We roll this dice and we end up with Malik Wilkes again and again and again. Francis Jeffers, David Graham. Those are two immediate <laughs> ones that spring to mind. Um, I just... And then also the fact it's like, has, has Moore now lost faith in him? Like, yes, we had a big reshuffle against Oxford and he didn't he didn't get on the pitch. Uh, he was warming up for long enough at the end. But what what's he there to do? He's a winger, but we don't play wingers. Yeah. Um, he doesn't, he's had a couple of games now where he's come on and had a 0% pass uh, completion rate. He looks just remarkably poor. Um, really lacking in confidence. Uh, he has scored a couple of <clears throat> Perla goals, which is nice, but mm. they feel so freakishly sort of against the run of the rest of his form. I don't know really how he did it. It's like a magic trick. Um, and I don't know where, whether he will ever do it again. Um, it doesn't feel replicable. <laughs> uh, it, it, yeah, just a huge disappointment thus far. Uh, a good age. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't we sh- it, you know it shouldn't be sort of buried in terms of how things go. Although I will say we'll get on to Windass. Uh, we are in this position again where sort of frustratingly some people seem to get endless opportunities, yes. despite doing almost nothing recognizable, mm-hmm. and then other people get the odd little sniff here and there. And to be fair to Wilkes, he's not been given a run in the team, yeah. Yeah. not been given a couple of starts in a row. Maybe. How do you find form if you're never given the chance to find it? Yeah, and then there's just there's there's such a weird line between that world of a striker who like oh he needs games, mm. and it, but it's also a bit like so you're you're telling me this guy needs ten games to score one goal, you know? Yeah, because I mean outside of that, what is his contribution? Yeah, we we can look at the midfielders. It almost makes me feel like I just I don't know, like I I kind of wish. I wish we had like a decent, um, settled midfield two or midfield three. Really, that would work. Yeah, I, I wish that spine was in the middle of the park, and then and then we can just be like, 
if that works so well that we we could just rotate or stick with strikers willy-nilly because i just i just don't think any of them are performing but i don't no. think any of them are really offering anything um i hope i don't know it's just sheer resignation of being like i don't know maybe maybe a free roll works for wilps i mean i don't like i don't like i really hate seeing this world of free rolls yeah because nobody apart from bannon is good enough for a free roll yeah windass is not good enough for a free roll no he's not and we'll get he's on not to clever that. Enough, no and he's not clever enough. no so i don't want to just completely just bemoan any sense of stylings or you know any flair that we could potentially get for just sacrificing any spine um well, it's also like like the game yesterday against oxford mm. For periods of that game, we were kind of playing for well, what were we playing? We were <laughs> yeah. kind of playing four at the back, kind of playing wingers. <clears throat> but because Windass can't really be trusted to be a winger, he ends up being a tag on to midfield or the forward line. And that so, but then you so he's barring somebody like Wilkes or Mighton getting a chance because you need to have wingers that then can defend because you know. There's just so many choices being made for cer- for a certain outcome that's not happening at the moment. And uh, I, again, I think Wilkes is probably a bit of a victim of that in that so we, as as you touched on, we certainly seem to be able to make space for a holding mid, uh, oh, not a holding, a, a person in a free role, somebody with no defensive responsibilities whatsoever. Mm. But it just, that is, that is always granted to one person. Um and Wilkes maybe would be more dangerous given that same, maybe, uh, given the chances maybe. he's had. He's sc- he's scored pretty much every chance he's made for himself or had. Yeah, but he's just not been on the pitch very much. Yeah. Whereas Windass has missed more than anybody. When you look at the statistics, he takes more shots than anyone, and he scores occasionally, but he misses an awful lot. He missed a great chance against Oxford, um, and he misses a lot of good chances. He doesn't hit the target. He just tries to sort of knock the cover off the ball every time and ends up hitting Rosette. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, so I'm disappointed in Wilkes, but I'm more disappointed. Uh, I don't know. I suppose it's more, it feels more of a symptom of a wider malaise <laughs> rather than uh, than all his problem. I, I, I think there is some hope there that he might turn things around. I mean, he's got, the goals he scored have been absolutely lovely. Mm. Anything more on uh, Malik? No, I mean, you know, yeah, it's it's that really weird. That really weird. I think just to sum it up is just like it's it's like he hasn't kind of impressed me. But given some of the the, the misgivings by other players, like yeah, I don't know. Maybe you could see a bit more from him. Yeah, I'd like to. Yeah. He deserves a, ch- a chance. I think at least mm-hmm. um, we'll see if he gets it. Um, so that this brings us up to our last player for this uh, this episode or this chunk, which is uh, we've mentioned him a few times in passing, Cameron Dawson. Cammy, big camo, <laughs> number 25 in the squad. So there's a full write-up here, which then needs to be revisited as okay. well. So there'll be a little bit of a revision coming from here. I cannot believe we live in such an age that the Wednesday social media department would film and put out there the most telling and crushing banter we have ever seen on the training ground. In a TikTok Instagram video, Stockdale turns into a David Attenborough-type watcher by detailing his goalkeeping mate Cameron Dawson to the camera. It seems fun at first, but I feel the juicy bounce goes too far, where he decrees that Dawson is a contract hogger in his normal habitat. <laughs> Seeing this revelation in the cold remaining autumnal daylight at Middlewood Road is a stark and depressing reminder of where he is. Someone who, like an animal, is there in dull captivity, like a bored chimpanzee rattling some sticks around Chester Zoo. 
For someone probably getting paid to dick around as a forgotten understudy to Stockdale, then I'd wonder if he might get to the point where he tries to throw his poo at the other players. It really yeah. seems like the end of times for him, and you wonder if the wages and rub elsewhere are really much better for him. I've seen some cup games where he looks very much like Dawson. A nice penalty save calls for Cameron to report for the crowning ceremony, only for the following actions to make us just then decide to abolish the monarchy. <laughs> I weirdly hope he's getting a decent salary and can find somewhere else next year, and I've gone in my initial thing for a C. So the penalty save I mentioned, in fact, was actually part of the cup game which he played. And then since there, we've come on and we've said we've now seen a full 90 minutes league, inaugural league berth for Cameron Dawson. I don't think he played in the league before this. Is that correct? No, I don't think so. Okay, so this is his first league show for Sheffield Wednesday for the 2022-2023 season. And I mean, it it just feels more like Cameron Dawson. I mean, he, he deserves plausits for a decent penalty save. He kept a clean sheet. Um, he, I think he was given the sponsor's man of the match in that game. I think that's what they announced. And The penalty save gets you that, doesn't it? And then they'll... That was actually before the penalty save. Oh, wow. Announced that. It's like, you know, when you get to the end oh, of the game. So then it's, it's kind like of tribalism. 89th minute kind of makes that announcement. And then the rest of the, the game pans out as it does. So I think that is a positive. I'm I'm grateful for that. I think it's going to knock him up to a C plus in my thing. The thing that I'm just going back down to is like, I saw an interesting post on our talk yesterday. Again, I'm apologies for not quoting the, the thing. Talk, someone talked about the concept of stamp collecting, which uh, I'd never heard of before. And apparently it just seems to be the case where people just remember the negatives of things that people have done without thinking about the positive. Right. Um, I think we have remembered there were some times of some positives with Cameron Dawson. It's just his distribution is shocking. I know that isn't anything. I, I think we've, I seem to remember people saying that O'Donnell's distribution was bad, but I thought it was just regular kind of kicking in a world of regular kind of long distance kicking. Like it, but it's just very different from a player like Stockdale, who mm. I thought it was hilarious. I think it was Rob Staten was asking him in like a pre match or presser or something like, or post match presser interview with him saying you know have you ever been referred to as a sweeper keeper which oh, yeah. you would think is just hilarious because you would think it that would be something that would be given to a player like uh is it edison at man city oh, yeah, yeah yeah you know that's someone who would be cultured enough to be thought of in in that realm and he's it it's kind of not but i think it's probably unfortunately probably thanks to this kind of you know this northern dickhead character that he's kind <laughs> of got <laughs> This uh, charming, charming boy of banter, you know, lad banter, uh, that kind of comes up that I think it kind of discounts him from something like that. But I mean, outside of that, it was just it, it, it is. It's just not good. And I, I wish he would. I, I hated the world of Dawson like rolling it out and playing it short under Lukai because it, it just led us to so many problems. Yeah. But it, I maybe I'm gonna kind of retrospectively just say I appreciate what Yoss was doing because the long ball shit was just crap under Dawson. Mm. And there's that. And then there's the whole, like, um, you talked about Dawson's second second bite yeah. um, that's, yesterday. That's, to me, is the biggest foible. Yeah. Yeah, there was that telling moment right at the death of the game, before the penalty, when Oxford United were, were in, clear. Dawson saves. Brilliant goal line stop from McGuinness. Mm. Thank you, McGuinness. And then just missed an absolute howler from whoever it was yeah. from the uh, the Oxford United player spooning over the bar from mm-hmm. about six yards out. Um, 
And it was just like that that felt like, yes, there were the heroics of what happened there from Dawson. It was a good stop and he had other decent stops in the game. But it's just keeping that energy alive for, for the opposing attacking players. Yeah. Just continually. And I just I don't want to see it anymore. I don't want to see him anymore. I just I just hated that. It's it's I shouldn't feel so sad that like he's had a good game and because it's just like we're gonna see more of it. It's just it feels like he is gonna give a chance until we know he's gonna fail. Like yeah. I feel like I just know that's gonna happen. And yeah. again, it sounds like I'm being a real dick. It sounds like I'm being incredibly unfair. But I'm just I'm sorry. I've just I've seen enough of Cameron Dawson. The guy's yeah. got a contract for the end of this season and the season after. Again, he's got another massive contract. I just want a reboot in the goalkeeping department. I want to see someone else. I want to see like someone someone a bit like I don't know, like you know, like a goalkeeper like Adam Davies or something like this. So, like previously yeah. it was like, you know, he was a backup keeper for us. But you know, he's a fair professional, you yeah. know, and I think he's gone on to have a decent career and he's currently currently third third pick for the pigs and getting a bit of a game because they've had some issues there. Like yeah. I just I think there's less there's more assured hands in like a, a backup goalkeeping sense, you know? It's just that I, I know I know goalkeepers age at a different rate to, to other players. But yeah, we it's not that we've we've it's not that Cameron Dawson hasn't had a chance. We've seen seventy games in a Wednesday shirt. He's he's now in his late twenties, comfortable in his late twenties. Like I know, I know he's probably got another five, six years in him as a goalkeeper. That's great, but I don't think the 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 length of a goalkeeper's career is longer. But the stories of a keeper who has been average, middling to average for the first twenty-seven years of their life, and then has been good because they played, they had a good season at Exeter, which, by the way, was a league down. Yeah. Um, yeah the idea that he suddenly would be a new man now because he's had one good season, I find kind of laughable. All of the traits are bedded in. He's the keeper that he is going to be. Mm. And I have no doubt that like someone like Richard O'Donnell, I think Dawson, well, he's had a good good career. He's going to end up having played hundreds of games of football as a professional. So he's had a good career. You know, he's had a better career than most. But I've no doubt he'll be all right as a League Two goalkeeper. And if I was if we were in League Two, fine. He's not good enough for the championship, and I don't think he's good enough for League One. Mm. And there were he so we yeah, we talk about the, the we were talking about this second chance. Something inherently in his in his just the mechanics of his game. When he saves a ball, he saves it into the space where attackers should and would be mm. if they were any good. And even with and, and it's churlish, saving a penalty is not the expected outcome. So well done, Cameron Dawson. But even that save, if you look where that ball goes, the, we needed Liam Palmer to cheat. If we, we had, if we had VAR, that they would have had to take that penalty again because Liam Palmer is level with the penalty spot pretty much because he knows he's going to have to clear that ball if it gets saved hmm. uh, because it gets palmed out to the middle of the penalty area rather than wide. Good goalkeepers get it away as far as possible. Uh, Cameron Dawson palms it for a second chance. I don't know what it. I don't know why it is. He's had several goalkeeping coaches now. We of that we know of. He's been under uh, Rhodes here for many years. He's had Weaver. He's now got another goalkeeping coach. He's been a season away at Exeter. It's still in his game. It's not changed. It's inherent. It's just 
what he, you know, at some base level, his kind of circadian rhythm in terms of saving things is to palm it out like that. And it's really dangerous. And players know. Teams do lots of footage, you know, watch lots of footage. And we all remember Ivan Tony saying, oh, yeah, we've watched tape on him. We know he gives you a second chance. And that's deadly. Mm. (laughs) When the team knows that, they're like, oh, right, we'll just have a shot. And what he will do then is lie on the floor as you score your second chance. It's it's just not good enough. Mm. And then not great at talking, not great at coming and clear, ca- ca- claiming the ball, not great at passing, not great at taking it to his feet in, a, in any circumstances. So, yeah, all these things add up to well done yesterday, you know, absolutely pat on the back. But uh, it will be a short road if, if, if we play till Cameron makes a mistake. If we, if we play him until he makes a mistake. Anyway, on that fun note, should we uh, wrap up this episode, Luke? <laughs> I think so, Rich. I want to give a couple of fun little quotes, fun little things. Okay. Um, maybe after Cameron Dawson retires, we could see him advertise a very large chocolate bar and it could be, uh, you know, Cammy D's second bite. And, you know, he can come out and be like, it's too, it's too big. Can't get my mouth around it in one go. <laughs> so and, like a full-size Mars bar with like a little nugget of extra Mars bar. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> can't, can't fit it in. Um, and also, Rich, I mean, it, it does remind me a lot, Rich, just to kind of come back about, um, you know, we talk about the ancient, uh, ancient Wednesday philosopher, Average Tuttle, who said, give me a goalkeeper until he is 24 and I will show you the man goalkeeper. <laughs> Stuff. <laughs> oh, I had to do a cough thing. Oh, um, uh, <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, let's um, let's draw things to a halt, uh, mm-hmm. and we'll uh, we'll pick things back up again with the remainder of the squad. And the, the sort of fun thing of doing it, like we're doing it, uh, top and bottom, nibbling away at the top and the bottom, is we'll we'll, we'll meet in the middle uh, in a crescendo of 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 sort of. Delhi Bashiru and Marvin Johnson, I think, um, or something along those lines. So it's really, Beautiful. you know, we're, we're working towards a really uh, intriguing core, as it were. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I just want to say, I just want to say before we go, Rich, I want to say we're going to put this out on Christmas Day. Um, Rich and I just want to say Merry Christmas to our listeners from your from your two absent stepdads, Richard Miller <laughs> and Lou Gladwell. So enjoy enjoy the selection box we've given you. Occasional podcasters, Rich and, Rich and Luke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Merry Festivus to all, and um, to all a, to all a good night or something like that. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll wrap things up, um, and we'll we'll see you soon with the with the next instalment uh, where we uh, we take on the remainder of the of the squad and also give a a rating to Mr. Darren Moore. So, cheerio for now. Bye, folks.